Welcome to the podcast from Commonwealth Magazine. I'm Michael Jonas. Massachusetts higher education has been in turmoil since the announcement earlier this month that Mount Ida College planned to close down at the end of the school year and that its 72-acre Newton campus would be sold to the University of Massachusetts Amherst for $70 million. Mount Ida students and faculty are crying foul, saying they were blindsided by the announcement. Meanwhile, there have been lots of questions raised about the move, and in particular about its impact on UMass Boston. One of the people who's been raising very pointed questions is Richard Freeland. He has a unique perspective on the situation, given the leading roles he has played in higher education in Massachusetts. He was an administrator for more than two decades at UMass Boston, served as president of Northeastern University for 10 years, and was most recently the state commissioner of higher education for six and a half years. Richard, thanks so much for calling in and taking time to talk today. Hi, Michael. Happy to be here. So, Richard, you offered testimony at the recent hearing of the State Board of Higher Education and had really strong words about the Mount Ida situation. You said we need to know whether any benefits for UMass Amherst outweigh negative impacts on other parts of the UMass system. And you said we don't seem to have answered the question or, frankly, to have even asked it. You went on to say that you feared one likely effect would be the cannibalization of enrollment at UMass Boston. Pretty strong words. Uh, talk a little bit about your views. I'd be happy to do that. Let me let me first of all say, uh, Michael, that I want to join with those who have expressed concern about the Mount Ida side of this. Since I was a former commissioner of higher education and since the Board of Higher Education has responsibility for all of higher education in Massachusetts, including our private institutions, uh, I wanted to urge the board, and I, and I did, to uh, involve itself as uh, deeply as it could in that Mount Ida situation. The students and families there and faculty and staff as well seem to have been badly, uh, outrageously mistreated. And I, uh, I'm very hopeful that the Board of Higher Education will be able to to ameliorate that situation. But I did focus in my comments on the UMass side of it because others were there to speak more eloquently than I could about the UMass, about the, the Mount Ida side of the equation. Uh, so my my concern is simply that UMass Amherst is part of a system. That system involves five public research universities in different parts of the state. And there's a reason why they're in different parts of the state, just as they are all over the country. Systems of public higher education are based on the principle that geography matters. And state authorities planning public systems locate the campuses in different parts of the state um, both to serve different parts of the community and to separate the campuses into uh, at least uh, somewhat distinct competitive arenas. So when the major flagship campus in Massachusetts moves into the competitive arena of its number one competitor within the system, UMass Boston, uh, one, one, one has to raise a question, why, why does this make any sense? Why why does the state of Massachusetts need a second campus of its flagship campus inside Route 128 when it already has invested in UMass Boston there and when UMass Boston is far from developed and is indeed, as you pointed out, uh, struggling right now and has been for some years to really establish itself within the constellation of institutions in the state. So on the face of it, it just doesn't... uh, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, other than the fact that it's good for UMass Amherst, and I didn't really quarrel a lot with that. Uh, it's easy to understand why Amherst would want to be inside Boston. They've been concerned about 
the existence of the Boston campus ever since it was established in the mid 1960s, which they, you know, devoutly hoped would never happen. And once it did happen, they did things to try to weaken it and prevent it from developing. And so this is just consistent with a long history of of a U.S. Amherst wanting to be the dominant institution in the state and uh, uh, and really uh, not paying a lot of attention to the well-being of other parts of the system, including um, including UMass Boston. So what is happening is that, so you know, just on, on the face of it, I think that a close look at uh, what the impact of this on not only UMass Boston, but on the other parts of the public system, Framingham State University, for example, Mass Bay Community College, for example, which are both draw heavily on population in the, in the Boston metropolitan area. Until there's been a close examination of of those potential impacts and a showing that those potentially negative impacts are not greater from the state's point of view, not from UMass Amherst's point of view, but from the state's point of view, uh, than the benefits to Amherst, then I, I think this should not go forward. So I didn't appear at the at the hearing to uh, oppose this. I appeared at the hearing to slow it down and say to UMass, hey, wait a minute, I've not heard a word, I've not heard a word in the public press reports about this, about how you, the board of UMass, you, the president's office of UMass, have examined the impact of this on the whole system and concluded that it's good for the whole system and not just good for Amherst. And I also wanted to say to the Board of Higher Education, you have a responsibility for the whole state. You have a responsibility to look at this from the point of view of the whole public system and determine that it's good from that perspective. So that was that that was really my goal. Right. But and and the I mean the role that the Board of Higher Ed has in all this is a little unclear to me and and I'm sure you can certainly uh uh explain that more clearly. Uh, given given your your past role as the commissioner, certainly the UMass Board of Trustees is the is the sort of decision making body that that has set this uh, this whole thing in motion. And well, and, that, and, that, that 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 is true. And and the UMass system has a lot of autonomy within public higher education, but it's not entirely the case that the Board of Higher Education has no role to play. For one thing, the Board of Higher Education still has to approve. Any degree programs offered uh, anywhere in the state, including by UMass, and so UMass still has to come to the Board of Higher Education if they want to offer a new major or or a new graduate degree uh, at one of their campuses. Mm-hmm. And moreover, the Board of Higher Education has broad responsibility to the governor, to the legislature, to the state to look after the well-being of public higher education and all of higher education in Massachusetts. So even where its statutory authority is somewhat circumscribed, I think it has a bully pulpit responsibility to examine an issue like this and take a position on it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I mean, I have heard the, uh, you know, the, the chancellor at UMass Amherst certainly has said uh, this whole effort to acquire uh, a, a spot near Boston is not based on wanting to enroll new students who would be based there full-time, but, you know, as sort of a staging area for UMass Amherst students who would come to the Boston area, which is certainly the economic center of the state, for internships and other other activities that they would use it for executive training and other other sorts of things, you know, right. not sort of standard 
four-year campus-based activities. So I think that's sort of been their argument as to how this isn't, they're not really setting up a satellite campus per se. Right. Um, that didn't seem too persuasive, I guess, to you. Well, I, I get that, and, and I'm sure it's, that's said in good faith. I, I would say two things about that. Let me say, first of all, I, I don't have fault to find with UMass Amherst here. I don't have fault to find with Chancellor Subhaswamy here. I know Chancellor Subhaswamy. He's a very good man. I like him personally. We worked together when I was when I was commissioner. He's a good guy doing his job, which is to advance the interests of UMass Amherst. It's not he's not responsible for the system. He's responsible for his campus, and he's doing what a good campus leader does, which is advance the interests of that campus. So, right. I'm, I'm not here to I'm not here to really to criticize. Right. But, but him or his campus at all. Right, but the overall UMass board really should have the interests of the whole system yes, uh, that, at, that, at heart, and that's where it seems like you're saying... Yeah, uh, that, was, that was my primary point. And, it, you know, the, the, of course, there could be things going on that don't get into the press, but I have read every press report on this. I've read every public statement that I could get my hands on by UMass system authorities, and I've heard not a peep about... Uh, the fact that they've even looked at the impact on the rest of the system, right? Uh, and and that that was my concern. It seemed to me, quite honestly, it seemed to me reckless to go ahead and approve this without that examination having occurred. Right. And what do you make of uh, you know again some of the uh, claims I've heard from UMass Amherst is that they're worried about their you know ability to remain competitive or to be more competitive in terms of drawing students. And, and I just wondered what you made of that. And, well, and there's a little I, I, echo that you hear of what, you know, people when people talk about Northeastern's story of trying to sort of up its its standing in the higher ed world. And, and we hear this right. is the sort of story at, at you know, almost every right. campus is, in, is engaged right. in that effort in some way or another. Yeah, of course. And as I say, I, that's why I don't fool you, Miss Amherst. Uh, they're doing what they can to here to, to strengthen the position of their campus, so right. good for them. That's that's what that's what drives excellence in higher education. Every campus is, you know, is, is out to be as good as it can be, as strong as it can be. And UMass Amherst is trying to do that here, so good for them. Uh, that's their, that's their job, and the state benefits from them mm-hmm. doing their job. But uh, but that 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 said, uh, it, it is also you know absolutely true that. Uh, UMass Amherst is somewhat isolated from the economic center of gravity of the state and somewhat the high-tech center of the state. And so having a place where young people can live while they're doing internships uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, one, of, one of my arguments uh, to the board was it's not clear to me that you need a 75-acre uh, full, fully equipped campus in, with classrooms and everything in, in a Newton to do that. So that suggests to you there could be a little sort of mission creep uh, over time but, as to what that property well, yeah, is used for. Absolutely. So you know, to, to to take to take the plans of U.S. Amherst on their face, they're, they're not going to offer full degree programs there, but they are going to have they are going to have students living there full time uh, while they're doing uh, internships. But internships at U.S. Amherst are not. At least, as I currently understand it, they're they're not full time jobs; they're internships. So students are taking classes while they're doing an internship uh, because they're fully enrolled students; they're getting credit towards a degree. So UMass Amherst is going to have to be offering 
undergraduate degree-granting, credit-bearing courses at Mount Ida campus to supplement the internship experience of those of those students. Mm-hmm. Because now, unlike Northeastern, they're not a co-op school where students go off for yeah, a, a full-time. Northeast, Northeastern co-op is working full-time. And right. In, they could be in Hamburg, Germany, as, as they often are right. uh, during, during that period. But that's not true for most internship programs uh, in higher education. And, and I think uh, it's not true at UMass Amherst, although I could be corrected. Right. So this really that. is, in some ways, I, I guess what you're saying, that there is a sort of zero-sum game aspect to it that, I mean, you, you do think that despite what, uh, you know, what's being said about it, that, that the gains for UMass Amherst here really would be uh, at the expense of, of UMass Boston and its efforts to, to build up that campus. I, I, I think that is, that is fundamentally my concern. Uh, and as I say, it's not just about UMass Boston, but I think UMass Boston is the most obvious one. Right. But even if you grant that the immediate impact on UMass Boston of the announced plans of UMass Amherst might well not be huge. The fact remains that UMass Amherst would be establishing a 75-acre campus inside Route 128 in 2018. And what would that campus be doing in 2020 or 2030? Who knows? Right. Uh, so what what would you like to hear from from the governor on this? Uh, you know, he's been a little quiet on it. Uh, I think there's well, certainly yeah, a feeling I, that they're behind it. His secretary of education sits on right. on the UMass board and did vote in favor of this, uh, right? And he was quoted in the paper this morning uh, as as supporting it, right? So I'm disappointed in that because what I would want the governor to be saying is uh, legitimate questions have been raised about this. I'm the governor of the whole state. I want my higher education authorities, including the secretary and the board of higher education and the UMass president and the UMass trustees, to tell me why this is a good thing for the state. Not just keep telling me why it's a good thing for UMass Amherst. So far, the entire discussion, you know, the folks at UMass Amherst, with all due respect, have not said a word about how this might be okay with, with UMass Boston. It's, to the best of my knowledge, they never reached out to UMass Boston and consulted with them before taking the step. Now, that might have happened, but I haven't heard any report of it happening. And I haven't heard a word about that from uh, anyone at UMass. Uh, and I, if I were governor, I'd be saying, until I until I hear that analysis, until you tell me why this is okay from the point of view of Boston area campuses, I'm going to be concerned. Right. And this so question I, I think of... The governor's, I think the governor's right not to be taking a position but he should be demanding that his higher education authorities uh, advise him on this point. Right. I mean, this whole point of, uh, a, a, as you said, I think when you spoke at the at the board of of higher ed, that uh, the questions haven't been answered, and that in fact they haven't even been asked yet. No, that, it, that, it, that's my big concern. It, it, you know, to take to take another point that I struck, the, the context here is is very important. Um, let me say the two things about uh, n- number one. Enrollments in public higher education in Massachusetts are shrinking. Right. Uh, they're going to continue to shrink. Our campuses are struggling. Our community colleges are struggling. Our state universities are struggling. Uh, institutions have been recruiting students out of state, including UMass Amherst, to make up to make up for this. So, for UMass Amherst, which is the strongest component of the system, uh, to be growing by a thousand students in a shrinking pool of Massachusetts residents going to college, 
those thousand students are going to come out of the rest of public higher education. Uh, they're, they're going to be subtracted from the demand pool for other campuses, uh, not just UMass Boston, but including UMass Boston. Uh, number two, uh, UMass Amherst is flourishing. Now, it, I, well, I buy the argument that this would be an asset uh, to UMass Amherst. I do not buy the argument that UMass Amherst was in some kind of trouble. And that it needed it, this for its survival. Yeah, uh, you know. Uh, inflammatory language like UMass is at a crossroads here have been used. But if you read the reports, including reports from Chancellor Suvaswamy, every year UMass Amherst is getting stronger. Every year the applications are growing. Every every year the kids are getting are, are, are getting stronger. Every year the research dollars are going up. There's been no hint uh, to my reading in recent that UMass Amherst is in any kind of trouble. So, yeah, UMass Amherst would like to be even stronger than it is, but UMass Amherst is a very strong institution, uh, and that needs to be taken into account. Uh, would it be good to make it even stronger? Uh, maybe, but at the expense of other institutions, which are not yet as strong? I'm not sure. And and do you worry? I mean, I, I think a lot of times this argument uh, comes down to questions about you know, equity and whether we're, you know, frankly treating well, all kids the same and that UMass well, that, Amherst that, that, is the is the flagship. It's the it's at the top of the tier in terms of competitiveness for admissions of our public system. And so you're you're disadvantaging other kids, you're disadvantaging kids that tend to disproportionately be more from lower income communities and things like that. Well this is where my years at, at UMass Boston come into play because uh you know, and I, I have to confess that, you know, I, I have a very warm spot in my heart for that. Con- confess camp, away. Which I think is incredibly important to the state. And UMass Boston was put here to serve, uh, first and foremost, to make sure that the students who could not afford to go to UMass Amherst and could not afford uh, to have a residential experience and who grew up in the city and were from disadvantaged backgrounds, uh, would have a first-class academic institution to go to. That's been, a, you know, the, the mission, the central mission of UMass Boston from the beginning. But it has always been my position that to fulfill that mission, UMass Boston needs to be a full first-class public research university, in the same sense as UMass Amherst. Not that it's identical to UMass Amherst; they're different institutions. But UMass Boston needs to be a first-class public research university, not. A, a, a glorified urban institution that's only serving low-income commuting students from the city. To serve those students, those students need access to a fully developed public research university. And the fear here is that by further strengthening UMass Amherst and bringing UMass Amherst into uh, the Boston area, UMass Boston will be more circumscribed in its ability to serve not only the, the urban community of Boston, but the whole metropolitan area, which is its natural catchment area. And I think that's a very legitimate concern on the part of folks at UMass Boston. And and where do you feel we go from here at, at this stage? Uh, well, I, w- I would like to hear the UMass, uh, the folks from UMass uh, keep saying more research is necessary. Um, this is not a done deal, that we're still doing research. And I say, great, tell me Tell me that you're taking a close look at the impact. Tell me that you're calling in leadership from UMass Boston and listening to what they have to say. Tell me that you're 
listening to what the Board of Higher Education has to say about the impact on the state universities and community colleges. Tell me that you've thought about the potential impact on these small and obviously quite vulnerable private institutions that have played historically a major role in Boston. Tell me that you've looked at all those things and and you've made a persuasive case that even even after that examination, this still makes sense. And then, then we'll have a real discussion. And until then, I don't think it ought to go forward. Um, all right, great. Well, I want to thank you so much, Richard Freeland, for taking the time to talk it, today. Not, not at all. I appreciate this. Is, this is an issue that needs public attention, and uh, I'm glad you're giving it, Michael. Great. So thanks. And you have been listening to another installment of the Codcast from Commonwealth Magazine. I'm Michael Jonas. You can hear us every week. You can subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.